The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon, and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. You know, if you're like most people, at some point in your life, you begin to think that lasting peace or happiness will forever elude you. You may have periods of satisfaction or contentment, but deep, abiding peace seems to be impossible. This is a profound moment of possibility, because for the first time, you are wondering about one of the most basic elements of living experience, your own peace. Why is it that peace is so elusive, then? Is it possible for us to really have our own peace? If so, how do we do that? Well, today we're going to be talking to Christopher Papadopoulos, author of Peace and Where to Find It, who's going to help us answer some of these very important questions. So you want to stay right here. You don't want to miss this. So Christopher Papadopoulos lives near Montreal, Canada, the city in which he was born. He holds a bachelor's degree in education and history from Queen's University in Kingston, Ontario, and has served as both a primary and high school teacher. Based on his desire to help create a better world, in 1993, he ran for parliament in the Canadian federal elections. Then realizing that a world world of peace and harmony begins with the individual, he embarked on an inner journey toward greater self-awareness. In 2003, he experienced a permanent shift in consciousness from anxious thoughts about himself to the peace we discover when we're in touch with our own authentic being. Since that time, Christopher has worked with individuals and groups guiding others to experience peace. And he's written a wonderful book, which I want to tell you about, called Peace and Where to Find It. Uh, This book is a great read. I've enjoyed reading every bit of it, and I think you will enjoy it, too. So, Christopher, welcome to the Authentic Living Show. Hello, Andrea. Thank you for having having me, and hello, everyone listening today. All right. Well, I guess we just need to jump right in there to talk about peace. You had a journey to peace. Can you tell us just a little bit about that permanent shift in consciousness that you had? Yes. Um, It happened over um, a period of years in um, the early 2000s. Um, The catalyst for me was uh, picking up Eckhart Tolle's book, The Power of Now, uh, in the, the end of 2000, early 2001. And when I read that book, I knew this was the path for me. For many years previous, uh, I had been uh, a spiritual seeker as well, uh, but looking at uh, different aspects of spirituality, um, Native American shamanism and Reiki healing energies and uh, things of that nature, uh, which I enjoyed very much, but I was still missing something and I, I knew it. And when I read Eckhart's book, I knew that, at least for me, this was the path that was going to finally take me to where I want to go. And what was important after reading the book 
and it's something that many of my students still have difficulty with, is not just staying in the talking and thinking stage about um, a teaching, but getting into the practices. And, and this is very difficult for some people. And to make sure that the practices are wholly felt in the body. This is, again, where we have great difficulty. And I had come to realize that, that by really practicing present moment awareness and really going deep into my body to simply accept and feel what was there, whatever it was, and be comfortable with that, I noticed I was becoming more and more uh, present and less and less attached to the idea of me and the emotional reactions that I associated with this me and my story character I called Chris. And as my presence grew, the past fell away. Um, my attachment and association with past memories was falling away. I still could enjoy uh, sweet memories and reflect on things, but it felt more and more like a dream, less and less like who I was. And as we moved on towards um, 2003, there was a moment in the fall of 2003 when I woke up one morning and I felt a shift had happened. And I walked into the kitchen where my mother was and told her, Mom, I'm, I'm not seeking anymore. And she was happy for me, not fully sure maybe what that meant, but she could see I was quite happy with what, what had happened. And what had happened, Andrea, was that this uh, sense of presence that I had been building up over a few years of practicing mindfulness meditation and deep body awareness um, uh, is accompanied by a, a deep peace, and this deep peace moved into the foreground of my experience. I was no longer associated with this voice in the head that I, you know, I would call Chris. Uh, I just felt this deep peace and a sense of spacious awareness, and I realized I was this spacious awareness. I was this peace, and for me that was... Um, the big moment uh, that we can call a shift in consciousness, but ultimately this um, evolution of consciousness continues even after a major shift like that. Right, absolutely. I'm sure we go deeper and deeper as time goes by. And, you know, I understand completely what you're talking about in terms of the practice building into uh, a deep shift that seems to be permanent. You uh, you described that very well, and I hope our listening audience understood that as well as I did. It, it, it is uh, a um, coming from a deeper place inside of yourself, and uh, what I call the authentic self. So, Absolutely. Sorry, yeah. go on. Yes, yes. No, I was going to say, Eckhart Tolle wrote the foreword to your book, um, and and so I know his work. I'm very well acquainted with his work and and uh I know that he he really talks about in the foreword about uh you know the insights of the Buddha and, and those kinds of things when when it comes to actually relating this kind of information to people, um sometimes we have a really hard time putting it in words that are meaningful to other people that that they really can grab hold of. Do you find that to be true in, in your conversation? Have you talked with Eckhart Tolle about that? Um, interesting enough, it's been indirect contact uh, online with Eckhart. Our schedules are so different. And so I still look forward to uh, meeting him in person. And um, the indirect uh, contact uh, that we've had those through um, the publishers, uh, there would be feedback and discussions. But it's still something that uh, I would like to... Uh, 
pursue much uh, more with Eckhart when I finally get a chance, our schedules line up and I finally get a chance to spend time with him. Mm-hmm. But I do agree with you, Andrea, very much so. This is very difficult. There are so many wonderful teachers out there for so many years and all have their unique styles and so inspiring and just nourishing the soul, helping us take the next step in our lives. And yet there are still so many of us suffering and not experiencing the peace that really I'm here today to tell all of you and all of us that it is your birthright to feel this peace all of the time. And that is why I wrote the book. As much as I love Eckhart's work and the work of other teachers, I thought, well, there's a few places there based on what my students were telling me that um, I can include some information. Um, and some of this information has been repeated many times over the past few decades by Eckhart and other teachers over many thousands of years even. But there are certain key teachings I discovered that must be repeated again and again because they are key if we are really to um, make um, what I consider real progress in the past to discovering this true nature. And that's why in the book, for example, I emphasize deep body awareness uh, as very important in helping us discover um, the peace that, as Eckhart describes in the introduction, the peace that passeth all understanding. We can all, it's also been called the peace of God. And it is not something elusive out there that we have to, you know, search around frantically in the darkness to look for. Um, it is the core of who we are. It is already here. And that is one of the main messages of my book, is that peace is already what we are. It is already here and everywhere, simply waiting for us to notice it. Mm-hmm. Yep, I agree. So, all right, I have a question uh, that is not necessarily addressed in your book, but I think I think you're going to uh, know the answer. Um, the there is either a stage of this process toward awakening to peace or it is part of the peace process. Uh, and I'm, ne- I'm never really sure which, but at some point in there, there is a time when we suffer and yet have peace simultaneously. Can you talk about that? Absolutely. And this is one of the, the benefits, we can say, of awakening to our true self is you will always feel that peace somewhere, at the very least, in the background. Um, Because it it is always there. It is there right now, and it is a permanent peace. Um, It is a fundamental characteristic of God, if you will. And if you're not comfortable with that word, it is a fundamental characteristic of the source of all creation, of pure consciousness, uh, of the source of the universe itself. And so it permeates our bodies, the empty space, all forms and objects, this peace is already here. We have to learn to, turn it, to tune into it. And once we do, we, then we can tune into it almost all the time. And even when we have difficult moments, which happen to all of us, as Eckhart mentions in the introduction, life is not designed just to make us happy. It's designed to provide challenges. And we learn and grow for them, from them. And, of course, those challenges also bring pain and, and hurt and suffering. But the, the reass- what I can reassure you with is that even on my most difficult days, because there are still difficult days as we uh, go on after a shift in consciousness like this, there is the reassuring comfort of a deep, permanent peace in the background. So I never get fully get caught up. I never fully get caught up in the emotional dramas and traumas of the day. Right. 
Right. So you don't surrender to it, but you can be aware that there is some emotion going on simultaneous to the fact that you're also feeling peace. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, let's talk about that emotional piece. We've got uh, about five minutes before the break. Um, when, uh, when You've talked in the book about what emotions are really all about. Can you just kind of briefly describe that for us? Yes. I think the most important things um, to take from Peace and Where to Find It, the book, is in terms of emotions... Uh, is, is that uh, emotions are essentially emotions. They are energy under pressure. And if we begin to um, explore our bodies with our attention, giving our bodies our full attention, including the energy under pressure we call emotions, uh, then we um, create a little distance from the story we have that is always attached to our emotions and, and create a lot of suffering and pain for us. And so it's very important for uh, people and listeners to be aware that this energy under pressure um, is largely produced by the thoughts in our mind. More often we are reacting not to what's actually happening in our lives around us, but we are reacting to our interpretation of, in the head, of what is happening around us. And that little filter makes all of the difference. And then what happens is we react to what is happening and where do we feel our reactions? We feel them in the body as discomfort and often emotional discomfort. And with practice, we begin to go into the body and feel comfortable just resting um, with uh, whatever is happening and observing our emotions not as these labels that we'd normally give it in our lives as, oh, so-and-so betrayed me and this, this devastates me and this depresses me or this is why I feel like a victim and I'm suffering. Instead, we notice it as you know, physical pressure. And the more we do this, the more comforted we feel and reassured that we are not our emotions. They don't have to dominate us. And the more attention we give to our body this way, the more easily emotions dissipate. So we begin to feel some control uh, over our emotions. And one of the other things I, I, that I discuss in the book about emotions is related to what we call the pain body, that a lot of emotions really are um, uh, really connected to uh, our past pain that has been unobserved, unaccepted, and unreleased. And again, by focusing on the body where emotions reside, where we feel emotions, we can learn to observe, accept, and release these old pain and victim patterns that keep recurring in our lives and keep creating emotion and emotional suffering. Yeah, but you're not telling us that we need to get rid of those emotions, are you? No, you don't come with it with an attitude of, well, I have to get rid of something, as you know, because if you do that, then it's another form of resistance. And whatever we are resisted to, we are still attached to. And, of course, this path of coming to discover who we are is all about creating an experience of non-attachment. Uh, we're not pushing anything away and we're not clinging. We're simply trying to rest and observe and accept whatever is happening. And so in the book I do talk about, um, you know, you may begin with, uh, you know, oh, I'm feeling this emotion because such and such person or so and so hurt me. And that's okay. It's almost automatic that you're going to feel something. And what I recommend in the book is then not just to focus on that story of what happened But if you really are interested in not rejecting emotions or pushing them away, then feel it. But I tell you, since it's scary for some people, 
feel it, the physical phenomena. Feel the physical sensations of the emotions, and they become a lot less scary and monstrous to us and a lot less paralyzing. And we begin to, uh, it's another way of more deeply accepting our emotions uh, and not focusing on the story that is always attached to the emotions. He hurt me, she betrayed me, etc. And it's that story that's attached to the, mo- to the emotions that creates this uh, vicious egoic cycle, I call it, where uh, we think of something, we react to it in the body, and that emotion in the body is so strong, it, it produces even more thought. And we create this incessant cycle of thinking, reacting, thinking, reacting. And so to break that cycle is not focused so much on the emotional aspect, the story aspect of the emotion, but on the physical phenomenon of the emotion itself. Or the interpretation of the story aspect of the emotion. Exactly, the interpretation. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, okay, let me just sort of summarize what we've talked about so far. I think what we've said so far is that peace is possible, that's first, and that it is always there. It is always a part of who we are, and we just don't always go there to find it, and that we can experience suffering or the pain or a pain or an anxiety or something like that simultaneous to experiencing peace. And uh, in that process, we, we might just be able to sit with the peace uh, or sit with the emotion and just let it be what it is. We can experience it in its emotional content or, as you suggested, then when, when people are frightened of that emotional content or the feeling that feels overwhelming, they can sit with it in the body and the body then can, and can be able to, uh, to experience that emotion in a way that feels non-threatening. And uh, then the person is able maybe to assimilate that a little better and, and, and experience a deeper sense of self that allows one to experience peace. So we're going to be talking about that some more right after the break. You want to stay here. This is a very necessary conversation. Be right back. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health, and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Feed the mind. Embrace positively. Release the tension. Step out of fear. Host Simran Singh will help you broaden your mind and open your heart toward a greater understanding of how to take charge of your life. 1111 Talk Radio is here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. 1111 Talk Radio. Because shift happens. The Divine Masters and Angels of Love and Light are here to assist you on your life's journey. Brigitte Boyer channels St. Germain and other Masters and Angels every week on the power of transformation, pathway to enlightenment. Each transformation can be frightening and uncomfortable, but it doesn't have to be done alone. Receive loving support to help you remain balanced and at peace. Tune in every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Being Here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss Being Here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane. 
right here on the Seventh Wave Network. The Voice America Seventh Wave Channel. Seek greater awareness. Listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1 866 472 5795. That's 1 866 472 5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And the Authentic Living Show is sponsored by the American Institute of Holistic Theology. AIHT offers degrees in interfaith and interspiritual educational programs that enable you to not only find your own authentic spirituality, but to bring your unique gift to the world in service upon graduation. At AIHT, you can get a master's, doctorate, or ministerial bachelor's degree, and the doctoral programs are broken down so that you can get a PhD, a doctor of ministry, or in the holistic theology program, a doctor of theology degree. The programs in which you may get these degrees are holistic theology, holistic health, holistic ministries, metaphysics, and parapsychology. These courses offer depth and meaning to your own spiritual search for truth, but also bring about your capacities to, to bring your healing, loving, guiding gifts to the world. The population of students includes doctors, lawyers, healers, ministers, psychologists, counselors, social workers, nutritionists, herbologists, homeopathy practitioners, psychics, mediums, and many others who have a special gift but need to learn to hone it and credential it. It also includes students who simply wish to enhance their own profound spiritual journeys. What's most important to AIHT's model is the exploratory nature of studies that reach to the depths of all the world's religions, traditions, and paths, and even to transcend them to find the mystical core of them all in order to facilitate your own journey to your own authentic spirituality spirituality by utilizing as your text writing teachers spiritual experts from all over the world you can learn more about what's offered by going to www.aiht.edu or if you'd like to talk directly to the admissions director call Beverly Love at 800-650-4325 you know Oprah says education is the key to unlocking the world a passport to freedom call and get your passport today and speaking of today, we're talking today to Christopher Papadopoulos, who is the author of a wonderful book called Peace and Where to Find It. And I want you to go find that book because it's a very good read and it offers a lot of really interesting information about how we access our peace. And what we've said, we've talked a little bit about the emotional content of our lives, how we interpret reality, how we sometimes get all upset because of that, and then we have to find some kind of peace uh, in order to f- get grounded again. And uh, so the next thing I want to talk to you about is, is awareness is in general. Getting aware of what goes on inside us of us is one of those more difficult things since we're taught most of the time to live an externalized life. Would you agree with that, Christopher? Yes, of course. That's exactly uh, what happens. And one of the reasons it happens is the fact that the people who teach us are also doing so. And the reason they're doing so which is covered uh, in my book as well as others, is that we are identified with the voice in the head, this thinker, what I call this egoic self. Um, It is designed to navigate 
the, the physical world. It is designed to help us get from point A to point B. It's designed to judge and opine and assess and analyze and discriminate and compare. But in that sense, it is a tool that we're supposed to put down when it's not necessary, but none of us do because we have made an identity out of this voice in the head that says, I am Mary, I am Chris, this is my belief, these are my beliefs, this is my life. Because we have made an identity out of that voice, the, the thinking is incessant. We don't want to put down this thinking tool, which is all it was meant to be, because uh, we'd be afraid that we'd cease to exist if that personal narrative of that personal inner monologue just ceased. We don't want it to cease because we think it's who we are and we maintain this con- continuity by constantly, incessantly thinking. And therefore, this analyzing, judging, measuring software, interpreting and reacting software is almost always on uh, for the majority of people. And when this happens, we are you know, forced to uh, negotiate the world with that, with that software playing, and therefore we remain almost exclusively focused on the external world. And it, it's like being in a very, very loud, noisy, smoky bar and not even, even be able to hear yourself think. And that's what it's really like for all of us, even in a, the quietest place, if we are externally focused on our worries uh, on, on, our, on our future plans, on past memories, or on what we're going to do next, that is like being in a loud, noisy, crowded room, and we're not able to sense the deep peace, which is our true nature. Right. Absolutely. That's a very good description. I like the loud, noisy, smoky bar. That's a good analogy of what goes on in the chatter in our heads. So, so when we're when we're living from that expectation, I guess that, that's, uh, that sort of belies the mythology of Descartes who said, I think, therefore I am, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think we find a deeper self when we don't think. We can turn that thinking down a little bit. Yeah. That's, a, yeah, that's exactly what the book is designed to do, and that's why um, the second half of the book, or you throughout the book and more so as you go into the book, I start reminding readers to focus on their body while they're reading and focus on their breath and then offer them techniques um, that can blend perfectly in with their uh, daily lives, their daily schedule, to begin to become more body aware. And the more that they do, the more they realize, wow, I really was dull, to my, uh, dull and numb to my own personal inner life, my own experience of me. I was maybe not dull or numb to the idea of me, or even the, the person who wants to feel better or goes to this teacher or reads that or does a technique, but it still remains largely a mental exercise. And we don't really just sit with the pure sensation. And the key is not just to feel the sensations, but when we feel the sensations, we enter the present moment naturally because our sensations of the body can only be felt now. And when we can enter the present moment through deep body awareness, we go deeper eventually than those surface sensations and begin to feel our own true, vibrant, peace-filled being. So why is the body so important to that process? Exactly. Well, this is it. This is why I emphasize it so much. And this was the key for me, just to let all your listeners know. Uh, I'd been seeking, you know, before previous that and, and impressed with other teachers and, and, and looking here and looking there for this technique and that. And I realized something so fundamentally simple and yet... Uh, it was not you know, simple at the time, but I, I, that, well, what is it that wants to awaken? What is it that wants to stop suffering? What is it that goes to retreats, uh, does the yoga pose, 
says the prayer, listens to the inspiring words of a teacher. It's the body that does everything. We always cover that up with, oh, me, I'm doing it, with the, with the label of the name, which is really from our heads. But it's actually our bodies that are going everywhere and, and performing everything. But we drag it around. We let the head kind of drag the body around on a leash, saying, no, go this way, do that, do that. And we never actually give the body what it truly craves is our unadulterated attention. And for the simplest reason why it's so important is because the body is always here in the present moment, even when we are elsewhere lost in thought in the abstract conceptual realm, the key is returning to the reality of the present moment. To really get real is to enter the present moment and live in the present moment. And by feeling the body, we naturally enter the present moment. When we feel it deeply enough, this quiets the mind. And when the mind gets quiet, our tr- the, the awareness of our true nature begins to emerge. Um, compassionate, wise, deeply creative, uh, of course, deeply uh, peaceful, and there's even a subtle sense of joy in there as well. So um, it is the key. Uh, uh, I find that uh, so many people, when they talk about self-inquiry and going within to discover their inner life, they keep it at that intellectual, conceptual level, and they never really go far enough into the body. And when I discovered that for myself, everything changed. And so that is my big message to the world is you're already doing great, but you really have to start you know, getting out of your heads, even in your spiritual practice, and get into your body. And then things will really change, and you'll begin to realize for yourself that the room you are in right now, wherever you are listening to this, is saturated with peace. The world is saturated with peace. Your body is saturated with peace. It's just waiting for you to shift your attention to tune into it and embody that peace. And that flies in the face of all of our talk about the body only as a vessel and something that we discard at the end of this life, doesn't it? Absolutely. Um, That's why it's always helpful to uh, remember that some of the attitudes of it being a vessel for the spirit, well, this body, this form, whatever it is, is really mostly empty space, 99.99% empty space or more. It's empty of form but it's not empty or void of all uh, life. In fact, it's the pure consciousness, the, the source, the, the God dimension of things. It is filled with being, with life itself, with the divine, as it were. And so all forms in that sense, uh, in their very essence, uh, possess that sacredness. And if we unintentionally disregard the body as just a vessel, we are unintentionally rejecting the body, which, and since the body is, uh, can only be experienced in the present moment, we are rejecting the present moment. And when we reject the reality of the present moment, this is the essence of, of suffering and the essence of not being uh, awake. Beautifully said. Beautifully said. So you talk about an off switch in the book. Tell, tell us a little bit about this off switch. Yes. And so I guess um, it has been said before, uh, described before um, an off switch by Eckhart Tolle, for example, as being the present moment, and I absolutely agree. In my book, I take it a step further in saying that the off switch is your body, but it's because of the direct link between the body and the present moment, and that by going into your body and deeply feeling it, and I provide you know, wonderful, simple techniques in the book to help you do that, at the very least, it will really soothe you and calm you 
and give you some separation from all of the things and the dramas and the traumas we uh, are naturally attached to uh, in this world, in this life. And so by going into the body, we are soothing some of this discomfort and we are quieting the mind. The, the human mind, the thinker, cannot exist in the present moment. Um, it is designed to work in the past and the future. It is designed to even take things from this moment and create a, an abstract or conceptual copy in the head for us to you know, observe and assess and look at. But it, it pulls us away from the reality of the present moment. And the key is, and, and of course we try all techni- these techniques, we go to this teacher and that teacher to calm down or to be more present or be in the zone. And what we forget is that it's the body that's doing all this work. And when we finally just give um, attention to our body, this switches off the mind the more we practice body awareness. And so we don't have to try and fight, oh, I have to quiet my mind, I have to be still and centered, I have to be peaceful. All of that is still a struggle with the mind. And of course, as you know, Andrea, the more you struggle, the more it continues uh, to engage. Uh, so this, we can't not think of the mind. And cause by not trying not to think of the mind, the mind stays engaged. Trying to think, of course, keeps the mind engaged. So we do the key third thing, the only thing we can do, the middle way, which is focus your attention on the body, and that takes care of it for us. That quiets the mind. It switches off the mind and allows us to enter the, to enter the present moment, which is what we're all looking for. Yeah, again, beautifully said. It, um, it, it really does, you know, I, when it, there's been times in my own life when I have really practice that with yoga and other times when I practice it on a daily basis just as a part of my meditation and it and what I what you discover I what I've discovered anyway is that is that you know we've blamed the body for being the center and the you know the fle- the sins of the flesh and the you know all of that the theories about how the body is our problem not our solution and when you get in touch with the body and see that it's really just um, a presence. It's a presence of matter, which is also divine, and and we can really be participants with it. Um, that that we begin to see the body, the all the all the mis um, misleading that we've had with regard to what the body real actually is. Absolutely, I touch on this in the book. The the, the sweet body is just trying to really uh, help us. Even the discomfort we feel, to some extent, is life's message that we are out of alignment with our deepest nature. Life is always trying to help guide us, steer us back to our authentic self. And part of the discomfort is designed to say, oh, something's not working, but of course, in our world, we are not aware that that's what the discomfort is trying to tell us. And so we seek out external things to distract us or cover up and numb the pain in the body, and when, in fact, the body's saying, give me more attention, uh, the body's not saying, give me this drug, this alcohol, this power, this uh, indulgence, whatever, or this addiction um, to, you know, to kind of numb ourselves out and cover up the pain. The body's saying, please, finally, would you, with your full non-judgmental attention, just feel me and sit with me. And that is what the body wants. And when it does, it just opens up like a flower and releases a lot of uh, suffering and pain and is free again. And, and incidentally, what happens too, you will, one will notice when they do this, they begin, if they have any real addictions, they begin to free themselves of their addictions as well. 
Yes, it begins to sort of let go of us, doesn't it? That the, whatever it is that's holding us seems to just let go when we're in the body. Absolutely, and this takes practice, but uh, step by step, the good news is, Andrea, this is something we have control over. We don't have to sign legislation or uh, for, for peace or, or, or um, go shake someone's hand, uh, you know, um, in another country and sign accords and make deals. We don't have to even um, rely on some guru or teacher to do it for us, uh, anything outside of us, only you can feel your own body. No one else can do that for you. But it is also something we have in our control. And so this should be reassuring to us um, that we don't have to feel powerless and helpless um, in the face of uh, our lack of peace and even the lack of world peace. We have it within our power to feel our own bodies, soothe the suffering that's there, and discover our own deep peaceful nature. And when we do, this begins to resonate with those around us and then begins to spread, and this will be the key to actually creating a world peace. Yeah, we just have a, a minute or so before the break, but I wanted to say, I think it also gives us direction, doesn't it? That piece that just sort of says, go here, do that. I mean, it does, it, it's not a, a for the future, it's in the now, but it's like, okay, now this is the next thing that's up for you, let's do this. Do you find that true? Yes, Andrea, and that's actually beautifully said, and this is really, imp- and this is really important and one of the, the crooks of the, of the teaching and, and of the book is that peace is not merely some vague, soothing feeling in the body. It is a fundamental characteristic of who we are. It is a fundamental characteristic of um, the consciousness, the divine, the source of all things. It is incredibly intelligent. And so when you are in touch with this peace, you are in touch with the peace you're in touch with the intelligence that created the universe, that created the brain. As magnificent as the brain is, the brain can't create the brain. Um, but the pow- there are powers in the universe that can create the brain, and we are in touch with this divine universal intelligence, and not just to use for certain uh, you know, abstract or utopian visions, but even for the simplest, most practical things in our lives, how we navigate our relationships, how we handle problems in our, in our business lives, how we get from point A to point B. Getting in touch with this peace is getting in touch with a deep universal awareness that can improve our lives in so many ways. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. We're learning about peace and how you can have it and where it is and all of that. So you want to stay here for the rest of this show. And we're going to be back in just a few minutes. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Are you ready to shift into higher consciousness? Are you ready for contact with beings from higher dimensions? Ancient and new spiritual technologies will help you take that evolutionary step. Find out more about this powerful shift when you tune in to Conscious Evolution Radio with Ann Gelsheimer. Let's help humanity evolve, bringing in the best possibilities and ideas that our world needs right now. Conscious Evolution Radio can be heard live every Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Why spiritual spelunking? Why tending to our inner garden? Why devoting time to inner being when so much external doing calls upon us? An Indian sage put it wisely. Your own self-realization is the greatest service you can render the world. 
Join host Jeel Asselin as he serves as both guide and companion on the journey within. Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us can be heard every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Everyone can learn to communicate with their loved ones in spirit. When you tune in to School of Miracles Radio with Heather Scavetta, you'll learn more about how to develop the ability to see, hear, and feel your loved ones in spirit, as well as spirit guides, masters, angels, and higher beings of light that make up the invisible world. School of Miracles Radio airs live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time, on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll-free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back talking today to Christopher Papadopoulos, who has written a beautiful little book called Peace and Where to Find It, uh, with a foreword by Eckhart Tolle. And uh, I, before we go any further, Christopher, I wanted to ask you if you would mind sharing with the listening audience how they might get in touch with you or read more about your work, if you want to share that. Yes. Um, uh, you can go to um, uh, my website, urpeace.org. Org for uh, more information. Wonderful. You are peace. That's spelled Y O U. Yes, Y O U A R E P E A C E dot org. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, and, and <laughs> chose it because it's simply for all of the things that I describe. Essentially, that is what I'm saying today. Absolutely. All of you listening, you are already peace. Surprising as it may be, uh, shocking or impossible as it may seem, it is already here, and you are it. I so agree. I think that's the whole point of this this show is that I really believe that at our essence, when we are in that, when we are aware of our authentic self, we are peace. And whether or not we're aware of it, we're still peace. So, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and, of course, the book is Peace and Where to Find It. But in, a, in essence, we can play with that. And maybe it's not so much a where because, as a when. Because ultimately, we miss the peace that is always here because we're looking in the wrong place for it. We're not looking here in the present moment, which we can say is more of a when than a where. Um, peace is always here in the reality of the present moment, and nothing else is real but now. Past and future are you know, merely ideas or concepts, which, of course, we can only even think about those concepts now. Um, but experiencing the reality of the present moment will uh, bring us the peace that is always here in, in this uh, reality of the present moment. Uh, so it's really so more of, of a when than a where uh, that is the key to discovering who we are. And when I say that we don't really know peace in this world uh, until we experience it for ourselves and that the things we described as peace, that we thought were peace, uh, 
we come to discover, no, that were, those were temporary conditions of relative calm, but not this deep, permanent peace that has been described by many teachers and many religions over thousands of years. I'm here to tell you that peace is real, it exists, and it is who you are. So this means that when you find this peace, you are finding yourself, which is the real, maybe the, more, the most important reason why we were born, was to finally experience our deeper nature. Yes. Yes, I couldn't agree more with that, to experience our deepest nature. And we're sort of taught not to experience that by parents and social systems of all kinds. And, and so, therefore, we identify, as you said, with, with things that are outside of the self rather than things that are inside of the self, which is in part why we get addicted. So, can you talk a little bit about this piece as an antidote to addiction? Yes, absolutely. And um, uh, um, I mentioned this uh, in the book um, like I was saying before, the body really wants attention from us, our, our, our unconditional, loving, and serene uh, attention. And instead, when we don't give it attention, it, it creates pain and discomfort and urges um, and, uh, and compulsive urges, which can turn into addictions, as a substitute. And the reason this happens is because the source of all addictions what we normally think of as addictions. It could be addiction to food or sugar or power or sex or drugs or alcohol or whatever. The source of all addictions is the original addiction, which is addiction to thought. And that is what I call the egoic condition, the voice in the head, the me and my story character, the me and my story character in the head. This is what I believe. This is what I'm going to do now. Oh, what am I thinking of? Da, 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 da. The incessant thinking in the head is actually an addiction for us that we can't let go. We don't have the power to just switch it off. No one has taught us how to switch off the mind. No one has even taught us that we're supposed to switch off the mind, so much so that everyone thinks they are their thoughts and we think we are our thoughts. But this is actually uh, supposed to be a tool that we put down frequently during the day. We switch off the mind and we allow a deeper wisdom and intelligence and peace to um, enter us, we can say, or emerge within us and allow that to guide our day. And then whenever we need the mind for certain kinds of comparing, contrasting, analyzing, assessing, we pick up that, that thinking tool, we use it to get from point A to point B, and then we put it down again. And we do this all day switching on, off, on, off all day. That is the way we are supposed to function. But because we do not, our thinking has become compulsive and dysfunctional. And what happens is the body is constantly reacting to whatever is happening in the head. So it is as if the poor body is trapped in this movie theater, forced to be staring at the, our horrific you know, mental images that, that were produced uh, on the film projector of our minds, um, reacting to all of these things we're worried about or all of these things we regret or all of these things we're anxious about. And the, the poor body, it's as if it's trapped in this movie theater, constantly reacting 24 hours a day to whatever the mind is interpreting and producing. And so the, the, the body produces these, these uh, emotional reactions and physical reactions, and then all of a sudden we notice this discomfort and we want to numb ourselves to this discomfort. We want to cover up this discomfort. And we so, because the, the, the mind, the thinker, is designed to work 
in the outer world, in our external material, physical world, it can only seek out the external world for things to cover up this pain, cover up the cries of the body that is hurting. And so we reach out for something. It could be a drug, it could be a food or alcohol, um, approval, acceptance, it could be power, anything. And if it temporarily soothes us, we reach out again and again for that event or that substance just to quiet the body and numb the pain temporarily. But of course it will come back because the body is not really getting what it really needs. It wants your full attention. And when we give it our full attention, this quiets the mind, which means it quiets the addiction producer, the thinker. And when that gets quiet, over time, the biochemical component of addiction also recedes into the background and the body feels fulfilled. It feels nourished. It feels at ease. It feels peace. And this is the key to um, healing all addictions. You say that so well, and it's and it absolutely is true that 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 we can't that we have that ability to just go in and be with the body and let the body do the work that it knows how to do without us having to push it or prod it or make it think differently or change its emotions or any of that. Just let it be what it is in that moment. Trust so that is was, key. Sorry, I'm going. I was just going to mention no, you, trust is key. Yeah. Yes, trust is key. Let's talk about that a little bit. How do you sure. get to where you trust the body? Yes, and, and, and we're, when we're trusting the body, when we go deeply into it, we're learning to trust life because it's always life that is trying to, through the body, tell us to give it attention, uh, tell us where to go, what to do. When we wake up from the dream of me and my story, my incessant thinking, the mind gets quiet, and of course, from uh, looking on the outside, well, who's going to get me to the store? How am I going to function without the mind constantly going? What we learn is is that life begins to take over, a, a greater force begins to take over and help guide us even through simple things during the day, that we only need our mind uh, as a useful tool now and then, and the rest of the day, the mind can be essentially switched off or much more quiet, and we just feel guided. Okay, I'm intuitively feel, feel guided to go this way or do that. Um, and life is trying to show us the best directions, the optimal directions in any aspect of our life, business relationships, other, other aspects of our life, if we allow it to, because it is incredibly intelligent and wise, far more than the thinking mind. And so the, the key to trust is, is when we awaken to this deeper peace that we are, this deeper wisdom and compassion that we are, we learn to use that more often, and it takes time. The mind says, oh, I don't know, I think in this particular case, I need to keep my mind going and be very judgmental, when in fact, more often, we just tr- learn to trust, put the mind down, put the thinking down for a while, and trust that a deeper intuitive intelligence will come in and lead us throughout our day and provide the optimal path uh, to navigate our day. So it does take a lot of trust, but it begun, begins with learning to just trust what we're feeling in the body and learning to, to re- deeply relax the body. It is the, is, it, whenever spiritual people talk about surrender, it, it, it just remains this abstract concept to them, uh, an idea that they hope they can achieve when the, when the deepest representation of surrender is a deeply physically relaxed body. Yes, Absolutely. 
And 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 the idea of surrender is one where we we are also afraid of losing that identity too, isn't it? We're afraid that if we don't aren't identified with our thoughts, then we won't exist at all. Absolutely. I, I think I mentioned I mentioned my teaching. I think I mentioned in the book that it's there's almost a subconscious fear that we will cease to exist if we stop thinking because it has become so compulsive. And of course, it's this ongoing, incessant, continuous personal monologue attaching our past events uh, to our current concerns, to our future desires or, or, or fears. And we think that without this story of me going on, well, who am I? And so it can be a little scary. But the, the, the gentle techniques uh, give you more confidence day by day the more you do them that, wow, I don't seem to be thinking. I seem to be completely present and here, and I'm still here and alive. And so you develop confidence and reassurance that over time, I don't know what it is that I am now, but I know I still exist. And I can also just, on a personal note, uh, reassure listeners that uh, I still go by the name Chris or Christopher, and I still remember all of the things of the past. I still have relationships with people and from my past. And I can still, you know, uh, have preferences for the future, but not expectations. I'm not attached to whatever happens. I don't really believe very much because I don't need to believe and I simply now embody and feel what is as opposed to have to have an intellectual belief in something or attachment to something to exist or to be in this world. We develop this confidence the deeper we, uh, we go into our, uh, our, our peace-filled nature, our present moment nature. And um, a lot of this resolves itself with uh, the more confidence we have uh, when we follow this path. Yeah, so it's a path of practice, build trust, and trust builds more practice, and practice builds more trust. Yes, and it's not daunting. I, I, one of the reasons I, did, I used the techniques in the book that I did is because I remember uh, there were a few years teaching, in, in often in big cities, where the people coming in, it's like, Christopher, fix me now. I don't have much time, and I don't have time for your technique, so do something now. So I designed some techniques that can be done anywhere and anytime, and I also you know, realized that there were places like just before falling asleep or just before getting out of bed where there's this period of time that we are devoted to relaxing or, or um, trying to relax, uh, whether it's to sleep or just to you know, repose ourselves in, 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 in bed. And so there are actually, when we look at our day, even the busiest day, many minutes and sometimes even hours of just waiting time. We're waiting for something to happen. And during all of waiting for, uh, you know, a page to, a web page to load or a text message to come through, uh, waiting to fall asleep or waiting in line uh, in traffic or at the ATM or at the, at the checkout counter or the supermarket, there's so much waiting. We can do these techniques while we're waiting and we begin to build our presence power that way. So you don't have to have long periods in the morning and in the evening to meditate or to feel your body, although in the book I mentioned it's very good too and important. But we can begin to build this in the heart of our day, whatever okay. we're doing. All right. Well, thank you so much, Christopher, for being on the show today. We have really enjoyed talking to you, and I'm sure that the listening audience has benefited from what you've had to say. I highly recommend his book, Peace and Where to Find It. Christopher Papalopoulos, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you very much for having me, Andrea. And remember, everyone, you are peace. And remember also that... Your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. We're going to be back next week. See you then. 
Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week.